0: was clear that he had something that I needed and I asked him to pray for me. We just talked for a half hour or so and he told me some of the things about his healing. Uh, he wa- wasn't flamboyant, he was quiet, he was humble and yet it was obvious that God had put something in him and so I said pray for me. The next day I knew something was different. I don't even believe in impartation and something was imparted to me. I, I got something from that time that didn't leave me since then. And it upgraded my life or prayer. I always prayed, but uh, that changed something. And as I began to pray more uh, in amount and intensity, then God began to speak to me about something that he had not spoken to me about before. And that was revival. I have discouraged some people from praying for revival. When I was out in California and taught at a Bible school, I noticed that students who were praying for revival were critical of what was happening in front of them. And yet they prayed for what was hoping, they were hoping would happen out here. And I said to them, let me suggest something. Quit praying for revival. Be a revival. Whatever you expect that revival to do out here, start living that way right here. So. I have not been one, I know that some people pray for revival and that's a wonderful thing, but I started then to pray for revival and as I did, I felt God speaking to me and I wasn't sure whether he was speaking the same thing to other people, but he was speaking to me and he said revival is imminent. I never heard that before. I'd heard other people say, hey, something's happening in 2012 and okay, if it happens, good, but I didn't hear that. and. So I heard something is happening in the summer of 2015, and I'm getting closer to that, and I felt it was imminent. A friend of mine called me and said, Paul, are you hearing anything about revival? Because I feel revival is close. I said, let's get together. So we got together and we shared notes, and uh, he felt that God said to him, I've set the date. And as I say that, I just feel kind of a surge because I... uh, I talk about it differently now, because I talk about it as one who is preparing to enter into this work of God. So then uh, Fred Tony began sharing with other people who were getting the same word. Bob back there got the word about revival coming right to this land here. And so we're believing, at least I am, and the leadership of Lydia House is believing. We've talked about it together and feel that God is going to do some powerful things in our city, in our state, in our country, in our world, and that some of it will start right even in this place, right among us. And we don't say that with any pride. We say it with a sense of conviction. And so we're getting ready for that. And I'm just telling you a month or so in advance that starting in June, we're going to have some meetings here to welcome the King. Some say revival is definitely coming. Uh, my friend Larry Albert said, "Paul, I, I agree with you strongly. I think you're a little early on the date. I think it's coming in the fall." I said, "Okay, we'll be on time then. We'll be ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be ready." <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, if we're off on the date, uh, that's okay. But we're going to start June first and have Happy meetings here. For
1: preparation.
0: Yes. So here's our uh, here's our outlook. In this revival, we're not trying to get the world into the places we are wanting to prepare god's people so that we'll go to them it's always been that way that's what god's always asked us to do but then we start trying to get them to on our turf and they don't want to come here otherwise they'd be here if they wanted to come here they'd be here today but you're here revive is not for them they need vibe They don't need revive. They need vibe. They need life. And so if we get the revive, we'll be able to give them the vibe. So that's going to start in June. I'll tell you more about it in the weeks coming up. Okay? Now, (coughs) NAMO's dad is coming in May. May 17th. I I just wrote him, asked him if he'd preach here on May 17th, because Namo asked if he would baptize their baby. They've got a beautiful baby named Sophia Wisdom. And uh, I wanted to tell you about that, just so that you know, I believe in infant baptism. If you, thank you for that. <clears throat> we needed a... <clears throat> she, <laughs> it's getting a bit much for me too, Karen. <laughs> I mean, she she had the one negative vote on that thing. Uh,
1: well, I, I was just for the children's sake. Yeah. And they they worship and, they have to go
2: and
0: do that. Oh, that, was that it? I that we know, lost I, the kids? I, I don't know. Okay. Just trying to find All right. So now where was I? Uh, oh, May 17th. So uh, I'll, I'll probably send something out about my outlook regarding infant baptism. Because I know that those who aren't raised in that can can make it sound like, I mean, you really believe that? You really believe that you baptize infants and God brings them into the family of God by virtue of some water? Yeah, I do. I do. So if, if you want to sit down with me, you're welcome to. If you have questions about that, I talk about it. I freely talk about Baptist pastors I talk about it with. I wrote a paper on it, shared it with all the pastors, and in my fellowship, Baptists and others, and say, look at this. You tell me where I'm wrong scripturally here. You, you get So I'm open to talk to anybody about it. I believe in it. So we'll be doing that. We've talked with the leadership, and we will both ways. We'll, we'll dedicate little kids, and we'll baptize those that want to. If you don't want them to, and you're the parent, we're not going to baptize them. I suppose that's obvious, right? All right, so, and I'd love if we had a a little something like a a potluck. And when I say this, I'm not going to look at Anne as if (laughs) Anne, of course, she'll do it. I would like to to uh, ask some of you. Maybe it'd be a couple guys that'll organize it. I don't know, but let's just think. Yeah, (laughs) hot dog! Yeah. What
2: is
0: the date? Uh, Seventeenth of May. So let's let's think about it together and maybe some of you can just talk about it and we can do a potluck. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's do we have any, any announcements that we needed to make? Uh, let me just, uh, pass the flyer around. Are
3: these tickets free? Somebody found some tickets yeah. over here. Yeah,
0: yeah, they're all they're any that we find, they're all free.
3: Okay, so we got a I got a selling tickets. They're $10 each, but today they're free. There's a concert tonight, no longer music. Steiger Ministries, uh, one of our very own page sliders is uh, with them, heading to Europe again, on tour, reaching uh, people in the streets with drama and the word of Jesus. So, if you're interested, it's at Grace Church Eden Prairie tonight at? Um, 6.30. 6.30, I'm assuming, Yeah, it is 6.30. So... They'll be sitting right here if you'd like to go, if you'd like to take a friend, grab a couple, first come, first serve. If you're really interested, you better run up here now get them. Any guests, any visitors this morning, any newbies want to sign up for a sheet? If you haven't signed up, I'm just going to leave it up here since there's no hands, nobody's brave enough, but I see familiar faces, so (laughs) welcome to Lydia House.
0: Yep.
3: And Paul, we're Doing series of Philippians if you don't know that. Paul's going to continue on with that. You guys like going through a, a book of the Bible? Is yeah. working yeah. out for you? Yeah. That's a dangerous question. If you, you don't like it, we're in Love trouble. It. Okay. Love okay, okay. I hear it. that. I hear that. So, we're planning the next stuff. So,
0: we're going to continue on with Philippians. And you guys. I'm going to be using the board today. You, you can sit there if you want, but you might you, you might prefer to be where you can where you can see the the board. Okay. Do you guys have anything that you want to say this morning? Anything about life? Or you're sitting up in the front row here. Anything going on between you two? <laughs>
3: and Chinese cast. So we prayed for him <coughs> afterwards. And uh, we knew he, he's looking at an internship. And uh, then we're talking with David Lisa outside and Lisa's like, wow let's pray for you again. I can see his fake. Okay. But he was he's a willing participant.
2: So I
3: don't know, it must have been Tuesday. Got got when I got get off the plane. But he said, I'm in the next round of the interview. They asked me to pick a date Next week to come down for an interview on site. So this is fourth interview. So this is pretty good. I'm so excited. It is like God is responding to your prayer. Mm. Mm. So these ask them. To pray for them and just dive in. I mean, right there, do it and, uh, and bring people. Fun.
0: Good. Good.
1: Good. Yeah, yeah. Good. good. Paul, could we also Thanks, This is yesterday.
0: Go ahead, lead out, honey.
1: Well Father, I, I especially uh I, I, I have a heaviness on my heart because my um my girlfriend from college days, finished girls. It's a missionary Paul and Becky Hagen, they have been here.
0: They is this a prayer or Yes.
1: Okay. Lord, you know about it. They are safe, but it's right where they've been ministering. Kathmandu, I believe is the name. Lord, do you know about all this? And so, Father, you asked us to come to you, and we pray that you would comfort all those who have lost parents, yeah. all those parents who have lost children. Father, that you can make peace now with this, the land. Calm the land, so that there's no more of these earthquakes, and most of all, Father, that people's hearts would turn to you now. Let them turn to you. Thank you for Samaritan's Purse and others that are going over and helping. Thank you, Lord.
0: <coughs> Amen. Amen. The Bible says we're going to see an increase of that kind of thing. So it's going to happen. Nature is in a bad mood. Nature nature is uh, under oppression from the fall. And it's going to increase as we get closer to the return of Christ. It's like labor pains, the Bible says. And there's going to be shaking, trembling, and an increase, sadly, in wars. We're seeing that, of course. So when we see it, but we don't rejoice, we pray. We don't say, oh yeah, that's Bible prophecy, yay. No, we, we feel for the people who are in the midst of it. So who's keeping score? That's my question. Anybody here keeping score? It's easy to keep score in relationships. And <clears throat> when we keep score, do we think that God is a scorekeeper? So here's my question. Does God keep score? Some of you might think of scriptures that that indicate that God keeps score. I'm telling you, God does not keep score. The psalmist says, If you, Lord, should mark iniquity, O Lord, who would stand? But there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. My dad did not keep score, neither did my mom. And so when I told my dad how he could run his church better, as a young man who had one summer of experience with Campus Crusade, and he forgave me years later after I got into the ministry and realized it wasn't a piece of cake, it was tough going, he forgave me. And he never brought it up again. He never brought it up. When I messed, messed up his car and then brought the keys in and handed them to him, and he said, well, it's bound to happen sooner or later. That's as much as I got. It's, it's bound to happen sooner or later. He never brought it up up. When I borrowed the keys again, he didn't say, well, remember last time. See, he didn't do that. And he reminds me of God who doesn't keep score. He doesn't tally it up. If you, Lord, should regard iniquity, if you should keep a record of sin, it says in NIV, oh, Lord, who would stand? How could we handle it? If we came to him and said, Lord, please forgive me, and he would say, well, this is the second hundredth time or the thousandth time. How many times do I have to forgive you? Has he ever said that to you? He has never said that. Why not? Because he's not a scorekeeper. You'll say, yeah, but doesn't he keep score? Because in the judgment, he's going to... He doesn't keep score. He knows the verdict. He knows it now, ahead of time. What he does do is keep track of your faithfulness because he's going to record you. And he's going to reward you at the end of the days. Some will get in by the skin of their teeth. Others will be rewarded. How you live here impacts how you live there. The Bible says that. So there will be some kind of... of, uh, Accountability, of course there is. But God is not a scorekeeper. We're going to talk about scorekeeping because as we read in Philippians, Paul was a scorekeeper, wasn't he? He was keeping score. Listen to this Philippians, got your Bibles, chapter 3. If someone else thinks they have good reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Listen to his. Score. Circumcised on the eighth day. Okay, he wasn't a convert who was circumcised later in life. I mean, this he was a true blue Jew right from the start of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. That tribe was the tribe that housed the city of Jerusalem. A Hebrew of Hebrews wasn't a convert born into it. Both both of his parents were Jews in regard to the law of Pharisee. How many laws did they have? Did they have 10? They had hundreds. They had 613. Karen and I had a chance to see something of the fervor of the law when we when we flew to wherever it was and we were on the Israel with 150 Orthodox Jews. That was the most interesting flight I ever had. I really got into it with these guys, really got into it with the the scriptures and uh, saw their love of the law and of keeping the law. 613 that Paul knew he was accountable for, and he was a Pharisee. As for zeal persecuting the church, you want to know how zealous I was? I'd kill Christians. That's how zealous he was. As for righteousness based on the law, follows. Hey, Paul, what was your score? I had a pretty good score. So there can be the outlook. How can you read this back there? How, how Bob? Can you read that? Yeah. Okay. Who's keeping score? Number one, God isn't. Number two, people who keep score, dot, dot, dot. Think about that. Turn to somebody close to you and finish that sentence. Turn to somebody close and say, people who keep score, and then finish it. However you want to. I'm going to tell you my thoughts. Five seconds. Okay. Here's what I get. I get it from three places. From the story of the prodigal son, the elder brother, who's like a Pharisee. From the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Remember, Jesus told this parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. He says he told this story to those who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee stood saying to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Was he keeping score? Yes, he was. He absolutely was. He was tallying it up. And he thought, right, that he had a good score. I, I, I'm doing pretty good. Then here comes the tax collector. Did he have a good score? No, he didn't. No. no. And he knew he didn't. What did he say? God be, God be merciful to me of sin. Jesus said, this man... RETURNED HOME, justified. WHAT'S THE WORD JUSTIFICATION MEAN? IT MEANS THAT PEOPLE WHO KNOW THEY DON'T HAVE A GOOD SCORE AND ARE HONEST ABOUT IT AND COME TO GOD GET THE SCORE OF JESUS APPLIED TO THEIR LIFE. HEY, THAT'S GOOD NEWS. HERE'S THE REALITY. PEOPLE WHO KEEP SCORE, NUMBER ONE, FIND IT HARD TO GIVE AND RECEIVE forgiveness. If you are keeping score with other people, there's a reason for it. Maybe you feel insecure in yourself. Maybe you were raised on criticism. Darlene, who lives in this city, uh, grew up with parents who were critical. She said, if I cut my hair, my dad said, well, you've got to cut too short. If I vacuum, he said, you didn't get behind the couch. And so she grew up feeling criticism And so she asked me once, when I stayed in their house, I was speaking, uh, was living in California, speaking here. And uh, I said, well, how's it going? She said, I just can't stand it. I'm so critical of my pastor. What's going on? She shared with me this, You, you, you grew up on it. You knew how to keep score. Your parents kept score with you. Any of you raised with parents who kept score with you? Okay, Maki. Our, our friend, uh, Japanese, we asked her to sing with us on the music team back in, California. back in California. Beautiful voice. She just shuddered at the thought of it. She said, I could never do that. We said, what's going on there? She said, I grew up in a home of a well-known Japanese politician. Getting an A minus was like getting an F. That's what she said. He was a perfectionist. He pushed her to the core, wanted her to go to Harvard. She wanted to go to a Bible school. She said, when I played Scrabble, I had to win. And she got done playing Scrabble one day. And her friends, who lost, said, well, that was really fun. Maki said to herself, I won, but it wasn't fun. That's how driven she was. And she kept score. And so she couldn't get a bad score. She had to get a good score. It it was too hard for her to accept challenges. She thought she might be a a failure, and it would be hard for her. She said she was the dorm head of this Bible school. She was hard on them. She was critical of them. She found it hard to forgive them. People who keep score find it hard to give and receive forgiveness. Think elder brother. Okay, The elder brother, I'll be right with you. The elder brother said, i slave for you. And you've never, never given me a kid. But when this stinking son of yours, I added a word there. When this <laughs> son of yours, he didn't call him his brother. This, see, he didn't like him. He wanted to shame him. He didn't want to forgive him. It's hard. If you're keeping score, <coughs> forgiveness is hard. If you're keeping score with your spouse forgiveness is hard if you're keeping score with your kids it's hard you want them to remember things and so you'll remind them of things to help them remember so you can stick them with those things if they're if, if they forget god forgets, and he doesn't forget i mean it's he removes it as far as the east is from the west okay what were you going to say
4: issue speak to character that you maybe aren't going to entrust one the same as another and the child will say, you're keeping score, you're always bringing up the past, so how do you separate and say, in wisdom I can't entrust you, just like the one got one talent and one got you know, ten, how
0: do you have that not convert over to scorekeeping?" Good. That's an excellent question. Anybody have an answer for <laughs> <laughs> I'll
2: please. tell you.
0: Here's the interesting thing. The Lord does count sometimes. Okay. In fact, he said to Israel before he sent them away, he said, 10 times you have uh, neglected to, to follow me. 10 times you have, um, you have grumbled and complained. I thought that's interesting. He knew exactly how many times they had done it. So he's willing to forgive. He, he didn't have a problem with forgiving. They just had a problem with, with, with uh, terrible disobedience. And so there is a place to use that. It can't impact your ability to forgive and release them. But if you see continuing behavior, it's okay to, to call that out and say, this has got to change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
4: Even when they perceive it as
2: scorekeeping.
0: Yeah. You know whether you're scorekeeping or not, you know whether you're willing to forgive them, and I, I think you are. But if they persist in that, they've got to know that that's got to change. And God does the same thing with his children. Yeah. Good. Is and this, it. You find out and that's, a, that's a really good thing. That's a, a, a good thing to remember that, that uh, I remember I told you my father said to me long before I heard it from Lion King, remember who you are. He would say that to us continually. When we go out at night, didn't say come in at 11. He said, remember who you are. He was going after the identity rather than the behavior. And parents who focus only on the behavior won't get the behavior that they, that, that they want to get. So that's uh, really important to remember. So you'll find it difficult for you to give and receive forgiveness if you're keeping score. Second, people who keep score are probably critical. Jesus told that parable to, to the people who were critical, who were looking down on others. What are they doing that for? To make themselves look good. If you're keeping score, there's possibly a reason you're doing it to look good. Paul was looking good, and he knew he was. He was far above his contemporaries. The law makes you competitive. There's only two ways to live: two ways to live. Either you live by your own works, law, or by faith. Either or. The whole world lives it one way or the other. Everybody. No exceptions. Either you're living by, some, by depending upon you and who you are and what you do, or you're living by faith in God. And if you're living by work, well, then you've got to prove it. And so you've got to look good. And even if you aren't doing good, you want to at least look good, you're going to fake it because that's important for you to look good. And so criticism actually helps in a crazy way, because then it kind of boosts it for you. So if you have a problem with criticism, it may be that you're keeping score. Third, people who keep score are finding value in their behavior rather than their identity. It's interesting how people ask, uh, uh, tell me about yourself. We go to what we do rather than who we are. But when, if we want to walk into our destiny, we must know our identity. Think Lion King. Mm-hmm. He had an identity because he had a loving father who loved him and cared for him. And he knew who he was. And he sang about the day, I'm going to be the Lion King. He knew that was his destiny because he had an identity. I'm Mufafa's boy. Mufafa. <laughs> Mufafa. I'm the son of Mufafa.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and... So, so he was good about that until Scar messed him up. Scar messed him up. <coughs> and now he's not a Lion King anymore. He's hardly a lion. Lions don't eat grub and play in the forest and hang, hang out do nothing and be lazy. And Nala comes back to try to tell him, you've got to go back. And he got angry with her. He didn't like that because she was pushing him to walk into his destiny. And, and when you've given it up. To go, to go back and do that is pretty difficult, but he finally was able to face it when he was called to his destiny. Remember who you are, <laughs> and Rafiki made him look into the. And what did Rafiki say? Come on, look you say, Look harder. Look harder. <laughs> look harder. <laughs> look harder. <laughs> look harder. It doesn't matter. It's in the past. (laughs) So if you're finding your value in what you do, look at this. I had devotions for a month straight. That should give me some points, right? No. I don't need any points. If we're, if we're keeping score, we're, we're telling up. And then if we don't, we feel we've lost something because God must be keeping score because that's important. And so I find value in something external rather than in, in my identity. I'm loved. I'm cared for. I'm special to my parents. I'm special to God. I know who I am. But finding value in external. Paul is finding value in these things that he was doing. And he was good at it. So he, had, he thought he had a, had a great score. And then those people are actually defending themselves from the love of God because they're thinking, God would love me more if I... Finish this sentence. God would love me more if I... If, if you can finish that sentence with anything, what's that? That's heresy, isn't it? God would love me more. It's as if God grazes on the curve, and you're not quite where others are. If God grazed on the curve, I'd be in trouble. You probably would too. And so God couldn't possibly love me more than he loves me today. Did I have my devotions this morning? Well, no, I guess I didn't. I haven't had them all week. I, I've had a tough week. I've been kind of... Down, down on myself. That didn't change anything in heaven. I'm not going to tamper with that. And Paul was angry. If you read the early part of this, he calls circumcision mutilation. Because what they are doing is they're taking this external activity and saying, you need Jesus plus circumcision. You need Jesus plus discipline, or Jesus plus devotions, or Jesus plus church, or Jesus plus anything. There are lots of people in the church who are saying Jesus plus something. And it it made Paul angry because they were following all around the empire trying to tell him these people need circumcision. And he said, that's not circumcision, that's mutilation. So, people who keep score, Finish that one. Grace, grace is for people who don't keep score. Say that with me. Grace is for people who don't keep score. You keep score, you don't get grace. <laughs> it, won't, it won't be accessible to you. But if you learn not to keep score, you walk in grace. Here are two ways. Let me just go over this with you. There are two ways to live, only two. You live either by what you do or believing in what God does for you. Now, does that mean you work? Yes. But you don't work because of. You work. Work in order to, you work because of. It's already reality. As I, I, Karen and I I loved going with her down to my parents' house, and I worked hard. Why? Because I needed points? I didn't need any. I felt loved. Why did I work then so hard? Because I felt loved. <coughs> Lovers will outdo workers all the time, right? That's what Jack Deere said when he was with you. Because we're so loved, it just comes out of us. We, we want to. But the essence of it is I'm trusting in God, not trusting in myself. So one is internal. If it's up to you, it's internal. This is humanism. Humanism feels that you've got a divine spark within; it. It all needs some little creativity to bring it out. And so, let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. Crazy. See, it puts it on you. Drug problems. Just say no. That's the, if all you've got is the law, all you've got is something inside of you, you've got this idiot program called just say no. What? what do you say to somebody who's been on drugs for 10 years? Say no. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you don't have the gospel, which is the good news of God working it in me, then, you're, then all you have left is you're on your own. Get some help from people, but it's up to you. It's got to come internally. Paul called it external. It's alien. We'll, we'll read it in a minute. Here are the emphasis on behaving. Here are the emphasis on believing. It's two different ways to live. I, when I was young and, and was trying to get rid of things in my life that I knew shouldn't be there and had thoughts in my mind, I focused on my behavior. Did it change my behavior? It didn't. Because I didn't feel like I, had, I didn't have the power to change. But when I turn, it's what you believe that changes you. And if you believe you're dirt, you live like dirt. If you believe you're a child of God, you're pure and holy and righteous and given that by God. And you start to think that way, you'll live that way. And it will show itself in your behavior. So you don't actually focus on the behavior. You focus on God, the one in whom you believe. So. I'm just going to read you some verses from Romans and then we're going to look at the passage in Philippians just to affirm that grace is for people who don't keep score. Chapter 1 of Romans. You've heard it before. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and his salvation to what? Everyone who believes. You believe the gospel? You believe the gospel that says that you are a sinner and don't deserve his righteousness, and so you believe that he has the righteousness to give you, and that when you're justified, what kind of score do you get? You get a perfect score. I am perfect in Christ. That is true. It's absolutely true. In Christ, I am perfect. I have a perfect score. That's what justification is. Sanctification is the working that out on a day-to-day basis. So I'm learning to be the person I've become. I'm learning to walk that out in a righteous way. When Paul got a hold of this, he trashed his list. He threw away his scorecard and started living the gospel, and then he hated those Judaizers who who were tampering with the good news of the gospel saying Jesus plus. Jesus plus anything is heresy. It's Jesus plus nothing. For it is God who was at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's wonderful. That's so wonderful. I don't have to keep score because God is working it in my heart. And I can believe in this. Do I strive? Yes, I do. Paul did too. He said, not that we didn't work at it. But even our very work was the result of his working in us. So it's all going back to him. It's all credit back to God. People who don't keep score, who know that God is not a scorekeeper, listen to this. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and prophets testified. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ. How do you become righteous? By working harder. By trusting more. There it is. You become righteous by saying, I can trust God for this. You young people that you struggle with things that kids are bound to struggle with. How do you get beyond that? Two ways. What you believe and what you behold. You look to Jesus and that you believe that he makes you righteous and are justified freely is there something i do i believe for freely by his grace through redemption that is in christ jesus verse 27 chapter 3 of romans where then is the boasting where is the boasting there's no boasting because it has nothing to do with me i just i just surrendered even the way Paul describes it, he doesn't say, I decided to follow Jesus. As if, you know, I came to the conclusion. He said, When God called me by his grace, was pleased to impart his son to me. It was God from start to finish. And all I can do is say, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I don't want to keep score. When I come onto this, Paul threw away the scorecard because he said, Let's, let's read that in Philippians. Okay, he, he records everything up to verse 6. He's telling what, what he, kind of scorecard he had, and he was pretty impressive. He was better than any of his contemporaries, any of them. He knew all of them. They knew him. When he became Paul, they knew who they were dealing with because he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was hot stuff in Jerusalem. They knew... He had been educated. He was a sharp guy. He had passed all of them. And now he's throwing away the scorecard. Verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What he's saying is, Okay, everything over on this side, everything I did, this was a plus. This was all plus for me. I now take that and it's all a minus it's nothing nothing i ever did amounts to anything now i'm putting my total trust in god what is more i consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ my lord for whose sake i have lost all things i consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Now, listen to how he says it. Not having a righteousness of my own. You don't have a righteousness of your own. Your efforts are, in Paul's words, garbage. (laughs) Congratulations. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith. How do you get it? By believing. Through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I have uh, got some pieces of paper here. Can you help me pass these out? Yeah, man. Everybody gets one if you want one. Because I know that at different points in time, there's something within us that, here, give me someone. I'll put them in the choir. There we go. There's, there's something within us that feels the importance as a parent, as a spouse, as a mentor to, to tally up. And, and if you have writing on yours, it means nothing. It's just music sheets. They're just scratch paper. They're good songs. Karen will sing them for you if you want her to. The reason I'm doing this is sometimes it helps to do something physical when it comes to score keeping. Raise your hand if you sometimes have a problem with keeping score with people or with yourself. Okay. See, it's epidemic. It it touches us, doesn't it? It catches off, off guard in relationships. We find ourselves keeping score. We find ourselves tallying things up. We remember things. And if if we don't say it to their person, we say it to ourselves. And I'll I'll remind them of this. Uh, God doesn't think that way. He just doesn't think that way. And so to be released into the freedom of not keeping score, the freedom of faith, the freedom of something that's external to me that I don't have naturally, I'm a sinner, But I'm saved by grace, and I'm no longer a sinner. See, I don't see myself as a sinner. Because the Bible doesn't see me, it sees me as a saint. It sees me as justified. It sees me as perfect. And so the more I concentrate on that, being perfect, yes. Because the Bible says, be perfect. So I think about that. Am I there yet? Ask my wife. Okay, But we're going in that direction. Aren't we? Yeah, that's that's what we're headed for. That's God's, that's God's destiny for us, His plan. I'm going to compromise and say, What I want is mediocrity. No, He's going for it. So, what I want us to do is pray together. And then, if what you've heard both convicts and encourages you, I want you to say, God, I'd rather not do this anymore. I don't want to keep score with myself. I don't want to keep score with significant people in my life. Children, spouses, people I'd mentor. Because I know you're not keeping score. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to rip up this and and say I'm not going to do it anymore. Now if I remember again, I'll, I'll have to say it again. You know, if I bring it up, You'll have to remind me. I I thought you weren't keeping school. Oh, that's right. So, Father, we acknowledge today that, that we struggle in this area. And we need your help. And we are trusting in you. As we trusted in you for salvation, so we're trusting in you to help us. To live in a way that's free from being judges, from being critics, from from keeping score with ourselves and our others and others. Just uh, take that in your own heart out for a moment, and maybe you're not ready to tear up, tear it up yet. Maybe you have to think about it for a day or a week. But. <coughs> Sing some songs now, and uh, that's why we did it afterwards. <laughs> you, you get it now? You understand? We're gonna sing "Oh the Blood" and and we're gonna believe for these to wash them clean. Okay. So you change your vote? vote. <laughs> of, <course. laughs> of, course. of course. Okay. So uh, and you can sit, stand, and at some point, you know, we don't have to wrap, tear these up together. But at some point, if you want to. Just go ahead. I'm doing mine right now because I'm going to be playing. I'm just going to rip it up, and I'm say no more scorekeeping for me. I don't need a scorecard. I don't need a scorecard for Karen. I don't need a scorecard for my kids. I don't need a scorecard for myself. I uh, I don't need it. I don't need it. Okay. Sing with us. Oh, the blood. Just let your blood wash through us. Oh, cleanse us, oh Lord. Cleanse us from our criticism. Cleanse us from our judgment. Cleanse us from our self-criticism, oh Lord. Some of us are way, way too critical of ourselves. Oh, God doesn't want us to beat ourselves up. And Father, help us
1: through your Holy Spirit, because it is, as your word says, our hearts, our own hearts can condemn us, but you are greater than our hearts. And who are we? Because you have created us. Who are we to look at you and say, oh, no, oh, no, we're not any good. Lord, it takes a bit of humility to say, I accept,
0: I accept.
1: Your love. Yeah. I accept what you are doing, and so we say yes to your work today.
0: I just feel like this is really critical for some of you this morning. Really critical for some of you. That that this needs to be settled in your heart, that you oh, will you not Jesus. be hard on yourself. Thank you, Jesus. It's not good, it's not right, it's not necessary. You don't have to be. It's a substitute for coming to Jesus. To be hard on yourself. It's better to come to Jesus than be hard. Oh, God, heal. Heal this morning. Yes, Lord. We speak healing. healing. Raise your hand if you've been really, really, really hard on yourself. You've just been really beating yourself up. Look around. Put your hand on somebody. Let's really believe for this one. Really believe. Oh. Oh, yes you says he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed Thank you. in other words Thank God the Father beat up his own son so that you wouldn't beat up yourself it's unnecessary it's overextension you can quit doing it. You can quit doing it now. In Jesus' name, you don't have to do Jesus. it. You don't have to put yourself down. Yes. God affirms you. God loves yes. you. God cares for you. Yes. We resist the devil's lie mm-hmm. that we need to be hard on ourselves. Next song
2: <laughs> Marvelous, Marvelous grace. grace.
4: challenge this week and I want to make sure that none of us walk out of here without knowing that grace is not telling someone their sins okay and I, I think we know that in our head but the world puts us in that place and there are times where those that we love dearest want us to give them our love which is always freely given I think that's the biggest thing up here I'd say is you know people who keep score are conditional in their love And that's what we are called to be, is unconditional in our love. But grace is not saying sin is okay. And so, and I don't think you're saying that. Don't get me wrong. I heard your sermon. But I think that we have to be sure that if there's something in our heart, that we have taken that step and taken it to the Lord and say, I am sorry, and I want to receive your forgiveness. Like Jesus had the adulterous woman thrown at his feet, and they wanted to have, you know, her condemned and he was standing there he he didn't negate her sin he said go and sin no more and there's a big difference so if you've got something nagging at your heart take the time to take it before the Lord and if he has already said to you I've forgiven you of this then you need to learn to walk in that grace because he's not holding it over your head but if you haven't taken that step that says the Lord has put his finger on something and you need to get rid of that God's grace isn't going to get rid of that feeling. And I have one of the dearest people in my life looking for her approval right now, and I can't give it. I can tell her I love her, and she's walking under that icky feeling, but I can't take that feeling away. And I'm going to misquote you, I know, but Lisa gave me a quote a few weeks back that I've stood on that. Telling someone, being kind to someone's sin is the cruelest thing you can do. So let's not give out cheap grace. Let's make sure that this grace counts. And let's make sure that people are receiving forgiveness to turn their life around, not in works, but that they get the grace to walk empowered. And I had a dear person say, I hope I can work hard enough to get your approval. And I had to say to him, I don't need you to work harder. I need you to yield. I need you to yield. To God, who's already spoken to you what you need to do. So I'm not looking for you to work harder for my approval.
2: Amen.
1: Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen.
0: Okay. This is a wonderful song from uh, Andre Crouch, who died uh, a few months ago, uh, wrote some great gospel songs in the years past. Do you know the song, Blood? (coughs) Okay. (laughs) You're gonna hear it whether you know it or not. The blood
2: blood. blood that Jesus
0: I want you now to find a, a, a small group. It may just be one other person or two other people. I want to give the benediction in a moment. And uh, here is our time to really take this home, if you haven't taken it home yet, that you live. How do you live? I live by the grace of God. God is, as one man said, God is not apo- opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. Earning makes you feel entitled to something. And then when you don't get it, it makes you feel like a victim. If you got what you deserved, it wouldn't be good. We acknowledge that we're broken by sin, but we're saved totally, 100%. Not Jesus plus anything, Jesus plus nothing. We're saved by the righteousness of God, found in Jesus Christ. And that's the way we live continually. The gospel needs to be preached to ourselves every day, Throughout our life, because we live by faith, we live by the faith of God in me, working in me. His righteousness is is uh, I- being being declared to me day by day. So I live in the joy of that, and then I get tripped up because I start keeping score, I start trying to perform, and I want to stay free from that. So I want to pronounce the benediction, and I want you to get in groups and just say, "Hey, I'm struggling in this area." Prayer, and it, it you know can be for two minutes or h- however long you want it to be can be for twenty minutes. So, any questions about that? Or anybody want to share anything <coughs> before, we to, before we go to prayer? Anybody? Have a seat. I guess one. So, you can stand. I'm standing
2: here. We're standing.